Katie Alton. And I'm Sam Charleston. And this week on the most dramatic Bachelor podcast yet. It's an endless three-hour episode of Bachelor. So I guess from that synopsis, I don't really have to ask you what you thought of this episode. <laughs> Seems like you probably didn't like it. Um, it was fine. I think it was pretty predictable. I thought that there are a lot of interesting conversations. Like, I think there are still, you know, I think there are a couple interesting storylines left. But uh, I did not think that the Wintel All was interesting, like, at all. So should we start with the first episode, the uh, conclusion of the yeah, Fantasy Suite Dates? Yeah, let's dive right into it. Um, so we started with uh, Raven after her night with Nick, mm-hmm. um, where, uh, you know, it did seem like maybe she finally had an orgasm sexually. Yeah. As Raven said, Nick is really good at what he does. Yeah. Which is what, how, the, has, that's how Wolverine is described in the X-Men comics. He's the best there is at what he does. But what he does isn't very nice. <laughs> I think that's what she should have said about Nick. Well, yeah, I thought that this whole, like, sequence where it was, like, a weird 500 Days of Summer montage, which I never would have understood that was what it was aiming to be <laughs> if I hadn't listened to that Ringer podcast with, like, the ABC um, executive. But I thought it just all further went toward the thesis that Raven is the mole. (laughs) She said that she was satisfied by Nick. Yeah. So then we move on to Rachel's fantasy suite date. Rachel and Nick cross-country ski. Rachel isn't very good at cross-country skiing. They see reindeer, which I suppose is supposed to be really special, but they have reindeer at the LA Zoo every Christmas time, so I wasn't personally (laughs) that impressed. (laughs) Uh, I feel like... Of Raven, Rachel, and Vanessa, Rachel actually, to me, has the most, like, generic seen-it-before Bachelor storyline, where mm-hmm. it's basically, like, you know, a normal person comes on the show, you know, gets basically brainwashed into feeling these things, doesn't want to admit their feelings, mm-hmm. and then their kind of crux becomes, like, oh, like, they're, it's kind of too late. Is it too late for them to admit their feelings? Slash, like, are they f- really afraid to admit their feelings? Not because they're on a TV show and their feelings aren't real, but because they're afraid of rejection. Yeah. Um, which, like, you know, Nick does ask Ra- Rachel what her biggest fear is, and she says rejection, which kind of fits right in with, like, you know, Nick's fears and even Ben Higgins' fear of being unlovable basically is a fear of, you know, being rejected. There was a moment where I forget exactly what they were talking about, but Nick says... I might be white, but I'm still a minority. And I wrote in my notes, is this the point where Rachel decides to leave the show? Because, like, I was pretty sure that she was going to decide to leave, like, on her own terms because she wasn't feeling it. Yeah, she was saying that Nick is a, a rare and special kind of guy. And then... Right. Uh, then he said that. That... I mean... <laughs> I, but she did I, There's laugh. so much to make, like, a compilation of all of the not-great lines Nick has said this season. Yeah. But one thing I did wonder when they got the fantasy suite card... Is who gets to handwrite those date cards? Like, who in the production do you think does that? Because that'd be like my dream. That'd be my Facebook cover photo forever if I got to handwrite one of those and then it was like on TV. <laughs> uh, I'm sure that you can probably do that. You probably someone the crew does it. Probably it's in the you know they really have like a they must have like a you know prop department or something. Because I have pretty good handwriting and I've been asked to write things before that have been on TV. So oh. I'm just saying you should build like a reel of all the, just the things clips I've of written. Your episodes written in <laughs> shows. Send it to the Bachelor. Uh, is she applying to be on the show? No, she's just <laughs> applying to write the date cards, which isn't even a job. <laughs> uh, one thing that I did find interesting was that when Nick. I can't remember what they were talking about, but Nick was, like, bringing up kind of moments where Rachel had been more vulnerable. Uh, and he mentioned this time that she melted down in a bathroom, and then 
She, he said, after the volleyball date, when you kind of lost your mind. Oh, yeah, I, I saw Which that, too. It was really interesting, because I think that's also when she and Vanessa had the big fight mm. in Bimini, like, around that time, too. Yeah. I don't think it was that day. It was the next episode was when they had, like, the fight. But it's interesting that that was such, like, a crazy couple days for them. I just, I can't believe they didn't show more of it. I'm yeah. so fascinated to know what happens. You have to imagine that maybe they were sort of talking about, like, you know, producers and stuff like that and, like, yeah, stuff going on. Yeah, stuff they just couldn't show. Yeah, because it's, like, pretty rare that they ever show the producers getting involved. Like, the only time I can really think about it is when... Caitlin. She, yeah, Caitlin and yeah. Sean, when Sean was, like, breaking down on the producers. Oh, yeah, and you heard the producer talking. And they, like, and that was, like, like such a strange away. thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is very exciting, but, you know, if you have to cut around stuff like that, it creates a very disjointed storyline. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, Rachel, she kind of sets up what her main storyline will assumedly be on Bachelorette, which is that, you know, she says, I'm not in my head, I'm all in my heart. You know, that's what she's trying to get to, a place like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And then when she tells Nick that she's falling in love with him, you know, Nick has now been given a sacrificial offering of love by Rachel, and he can um, throw her out. Yeah. Uh, So the next date is, you know, last but not least, Vanessa. This was, like, the most serious date. And, like, have, like, the most actual, like, content to it, I think. I think it's really clear that they do like each other. I just don't always believe, like, seeing them, that they have, like, that they're in... You know, if you saw them, like, going... Like, maybe just because of the dates, but, you know, Nick and Raven, when they were hanging out at that bar, seemed to be, like, more interested in each other than, like, Nick and Vanessa, I felt like, when they were, like, jumping in that pool. Which, obviously, like, one of those dates is, like, a normal date, and one is, like, a stupid thing. But it's, like, I don't really necessarily buy, like, the real intense, like, physical connection between them. But it's also clearly by what they're talking about, they are feeling something very deep because they're having very serious conversations. I did think it was interesting that Vanessa was um, last on both the hometowns and the fantasy suites, especially since, like, I personally think she's a front runner. So I decided, I actually missed a lot of her dates. I decided to go back through the Wikipedia of previous seasons to see what the orders have been, <laughs> just because I think it's interesting. So JoJo was last for both on Ben's season, which I guess made sense because she had, like, the issues with, like, her family being crazy. And yeah, ben, she had the worst like, family, for then sure. Then Ben said that he, like, loved her twice, and it's obviously more dramatic for JoJo to be the second one he says that to. Yeah. Because Lauren is the clear frontrunner. And for Cursed Souls, Jade was last on Hometowns, and Becca was last on Fantasy Suite. Obviously, both of those make sense because they do the dramatic storylines. And then for Sean Lowe, whose season I know you didn't watch, but Desiree, who is the one who went to go on to be The Bachelorette, was last on Hometowns and then eliminated that day. And then Catherine, the one who won, uh, was last on Fantasy Suite. So it does not seem like there's any kind of discernible pattern, which I suppose makes sense. Well, I mean, it makes sense that they are building toward the most dramatic, conflict-oriented situation. Yeah. Like, all, all those things you described were like, you know, especially Jade's, Becca, you know, yeah. JoJo's Hometowns. Those are all like really big, dramatic things that they're building toward. And like, Vanessa for sure had the, mo- the more dramatic hometown and fantasy suite than anyone else yeah i guess it just is interesting that i mean since i think she's a front runner that she does have the most drama maybe she's not a front runner yeah i mean it's interesting but i also think that's part of nick has described you know i think he's drawn toward that conflict and the confrontation i mean that's what they kind of end up talking about on their date they talk a lot about core values which like sounds like a very teachery term to me it sounds like core curriculum you know what are your core values 
I also feel like I didn't know what her core value. Like, I don't know what is it. Wasn't an example of a core value. Well, for her, her core it value was Sunday was, family was dinner. Three hours every Sunday having dinner with her family, lunch that, with her family. <laughs> if that's non-negotiable, that's crazy. Uh, yeah, but I mean, that's like her. That's the first thing. It was a weird conversation because they started off. Nick was like talking about how her family is very traditional, and he's like, "And I'm not." And then Vanessa said, "What do you mean?" And Nick said. You're very traditional. And the man said, in what way? And Nick said, your family has things that get passed down. Which <laughs> I would say is the definition of what a tradition is. But is not necessarily a specific detail about Vanessa's family. Or like what was actually that traditional about what they were doing. I mean, I guess they had like this giant group of people over at their house on Sundays. Yeah, I mean, I think that Nick was just saying that to like argue with Vanessa. Because he likes arguing and he likes Vanessa. Right. They, but they moved from that conversation to talking about how they're maybe they're too similar to be together, which seemed like a very different like er, like angle of attack by Nick on uh, the situation. And he basically says he hopes that they are able to put their relationship first. He also alludes to this like early relationship he had, which with someone whose family was like very around a lot. Mm-hmm. It just seems. I guess I think it's strange that. One of the only things we know about Vanessa is that she has, like, this big family. I would say it's one of, like, the top five things we know about her. Yeah. And if you're Nick, like, and you don't want to be part of, like, a big family, why would you be as interested in her? I mean, I think you can say what you're looking for in someone, and I think it's different when you just meet someone and like them. Sure. I just feel bad for them, I guess. Yeah, I think we both agree that it doesn't seem like in, you know, three years we're going to have, like, a... Viol baby. Yeah. I also feel bad because, like, I feel like kind of like JoJo and Jordan that going, coming out of the show, the public is going to be very much, like, set against them, I think. In a way that's, like, uh, Jordan more, I think Jordan more so because obviously there's kind of, like, the fame hoariness of that thing and rumors and stuff like that. But Nick going, especially going on Dance with the Stars and them not, you know, necessarily living together already. Like, it's just, like, prime for everyone to be just kind of waiting for them to break up. Mm-hmm. I, I like I can't imagine people really rooting for them because what are you rooting for? Like, what am I rooting for? Vanessa to move to LA and like stay sit at home on Nick like help she she takes photos of Nick with like diuretic tea, you know? <laughs> like it's it's kind of sad. I think I don't know. I mean, I kind of want to root for them. Like, you know, I'm not rooting for them to fail. Yeah. Well, they wake up the next morning. It looks like Vanessa's topless. I know. I was gonna say she's definitely not in a penguin onesie. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> They're like in a blank under a fireplace. And then we go to the rose ceremony and, you know, very obviously Rachel's the one going home, but Nick like really cries pretty hard through it. I don't know. Excited <laughs> to see her as the bachelorette. Nick also said to her before she left that you're the most incredible woman I've ever met in my life, <laughs> which like seems strange considering his like future wife is supposedly like still inside. <laughs> like I wouldn't say I wouldn't put it that way, I think. I would probably say like you're one of the most incredible women I've met in my entire life. Uh but like that seems maybe not maybe not the That's wisest fair. choice of words. It just shows you how Nick it just like needs like, you know, approval and whatever. Well then we move on to some of the less incredible women Nick has met in his life. <laughs> in the women's hello. Uh and this is the by far the most screen time Chris Harrison has gotten all season. This <laughs> is a really like his jam. So Who do you think is looking the best and who do you think is looking the worst at the women's hello? Okay, I'd have to say best dress. I'm going with Liz. 
Her hair looked nice. Really? Her dress looked nice. I thought it was like a big improvement. I felt like it was not. She didn't. I, to me, she didn't look as good as she did like on the show. Oh, really? Yeah. Like I felt like the blonde hair. I don't know. I she don't was know. like acting weird. I felt like she had like the least like. I, as someone who like I liked Liz a lot going into the season, I you know didn't I didn't think that she like you know redeemed herself whatever really i feel completely opposite i think that she looked great i think that i felt more sympathetically toward her than i thought i was going to even though i did think that some of her responses to chris harrison were like a little canned but i think that she like really won me over when she was crying when christina was on the couch for her one-on-one interview well i felt like it wasn't just like a slightly canned response like the whole thing seemed like extremely fake like like i don't know I wasn't really interested in hearing any more about her. About her, and I feel like the only interesting thing she said was that she had to, had to actually tried to reach out to Nick in between. Like that's that's like whether they should be here to like recruit. I don't know. You know what? Rather than like best least dress, whatever worst dress, I would say that like least impressed. I guess back on. I was, like, or most disappointed. Yeah. I feel like Sarah was, like, pretty disappointed. That's what I thought, too. She, like, started off, she was, like, the first person who talks, you know, when Chris Harrison gives the women the floor. Yeah. That, ooh, bad look. Like, you were on the show that long. It's always, like, a weird thing when yeah. the girls who get kicked off really early try to talk a lot of the women yeah. tell all. It's very sad, kind of. I mean, she obviously made, like, a strategic error of still trying to go after Corinne. And, but yeah, I feel like she was, room. like, kind of, like, not very well-spoken and seemed kind of annoying, I guess. She seems young. Definitely younger. She felt young. She, yeah, she and Taylor definitely... I mean, interestingly, Corinne Taylor and Sarah are probably all more, like, peers, right? Aren't they all, like, in their 23, 24 yeah, range? Kind of interesting that they were the three who, I think, had the most, like, genuine tension of anyone. Yeah, yeah. Um... Wasn't super impressed. Who came with... off the best to you, Christina? I assume. She yeah, was Christina was always great, and I think she like re- retained being great. I would say this about Liz and Taylor's like kind of confessional situations, which is that they kind of were carrying blame. Liz still for kind of going on the show, and then Taylor for like picking the fight with Corinne. That really isn't like their fault. Obviously, they, like, they participated in it, but. You know, they picked Liz because they knew that she had slept with Nick, and they basically said, um, you know, they, someone producer probably told Taylor, like, if you want to get more screen time, like, pick this fight with Corinne, you know? Like, especially going to those episodes. And I feel like when, like, Corinne and T- Taylor were having their kind of big throwdown about, like, Corinne was like, she, like, you know, she's insulting me first. Like, in the normal world, Taylor would be able to say, like, Yes, because they told me to. And, like, we're on this, like, show. But, like, she can't. And then she just is, like, silent. And it just was, but like, But do you think, sad. yes, they told me to is, like, a defensible response? She could have just not done it. I don't know. Like, I just feel like I see her point of view. And I understand, I'm sure, why she didn't like Corinne. But it's just, like, what did you, like, expect going on a reality TV show? Like, how did you think everyone was going to act? And, like... It's kind of like an uninteresting argument for me. It's not like an argument that can go anywhere because it's like, yeah, like that's just the way it is. Yeah. I mean, maybe that was like the whole problem with this, you know, 45 minutes they spent on like the Corinne Taylor battle was that like there was no, it wasn't anything with like a resolution. Yeah. So Corinne goes up. She won't apologize to Taylor. But next up is Christina. She's looking good. You know, after Christina, Nick comes. Uh, Lacey tries to talk to him. Yeah, that was like another one of those situations where it was really just an excuse for you to, for her to talk because she was basically asking if she was friend zoned and like 
if you had to ask if you were friend zoned, yeah. especially when you were eliminated from a reality show, like you know that you were friend zoned. Yeah. But Nick was very quickly shut her down, which was hilarious. Yeah. Like he's like, you know, he can kind of outwit anyone in that room. Um, I was interested it was interesting that Whitney didn't talk at all. So we did get to hear from Danielle L, who confronted Nick about the two-on-one and, like, why he made her go on it. And if he yeah. knew that he didn't feel it, why didn't he just send her home? And I thought, like, you know, Chris might have been like, well, Whitney, like, do you have any thoughts on, like, that date? Like, there was, you know, there was someone else on this date, Whitney. And he didn't, you know, no one turned to her at all. I don't, yeah. I don't know if she said something and it was just very uninteresting. Although I guess this is, is it live? No, it's no, pre-taped. No, it's, it's cut. It's cut. Or if... She just didn't really want to speak, or if she's just boring. I think I it's know. probably she's just boring. And also, it wasn't like the first date they'd been on. Like, she didn't really know Nick that well. Yeah. She kind of spent more of her time trying to, like, get people fighting and, like, attacking people, which was, like, pretty gauche, I thought. Did she? Yeah. She was, like, she's the one who said to when Taylor and Corinna were fighting, she said, You both were condescending in your oh, own oh, way. Oh, at the women's hall. I thought you meant, like, over the course of the season. Oh, no. I was like, I didn't yeah. see I mean, as that figure. People always show their true colors at the women tell all i think so yeah i just think like nick made a mistake by not at least keeping around christina for longer like she's literally the only one out of all these women that seems like she might still have lingering feelings for him yeah like even danielle l who does cry like just seems more traumatized by being rejected (laughs) than like actually having feelings for him corinne seems to have totally gotten over it yeah and, like, Christina's really the only one. Yeah, did they even ask Corinne about Did she couldn't even say anything to Nick? No. It's, like, so stupid. Um, And I think that, like, Christina would have made, like, a much better partner. Like, she's a dental hygienist, so, like, she can obviously do that in L.A. and, like, probably make more money. She actually probably could have helped Nick's image a lot. Yeah. And, you know. And she's, like, the cutest to everybody, I think, so. I think Vanessa's very beautiful, but... Anyway, um, that's really all I have. I also listened to a, a podcast, Ooh. Uh, an interview Ooh. between Reality Steve and JJ. JJ, JJ? JJ, JJ. Oh my gosh. What uh, podcast was that? It was Reality Steve just started a podcast. Wow. We're interviewing former Bachelor people. Oh, um, that's cool. So he's the interviewer. Yes. And it was like an it was like over an hour, I think. It was wow. like a pretty in-depth interview with JJ, kind of covering everything. Oh my gosh, I can't wait um, to listen to this. It was really interesting. What's the podcast called? Uh, I don't know. If you just search like Reality Steve, you can find it. Yeah. To give like a brief synopsis, you know, it started with, you know, talking about Caitlyn's season um, and like the, you know, when they kind of cut together like the broke back Bachelor thing with him and Clint. Um, right. And how JJ was saying that. Do you remember that episode when after Clint left and JJ kind of turned on him? Yeah. And JJ was like slapping himself in the face before they like went back inside the mansion. Yes, I do remember that. Uh, that he said so that bizarre. he didn't say exactly what happened, but he said that the producers um, had noticed that JJ and Clint were like really good friends and that both of them seemed to be kind of like, uh, not like giving up, but like both seemed to kind of realize like Caitlin didn't really like them that much. And so they kind of pitted them against each other and told they just told JJ that Clint had said something like really awful about him to Caitlin and then told Clint the same thing about JJ. Wow. But that hadn't happened. And so when they had this kind of blow up at the end, JJ thought that Clint had been like saying something to Caitlin about him. Um, that's like such just like a bold faced lie. Yeah. And that's why so then he said he was he stepped to the house and they're doing his ITM and he said he was going to leave and he was quitting. 
But then they, JJ okay. was quitting, yeah. and then they sold him not. They calmed him down, but that's when he was like slapping himself. Was like he was about to. He had quit, and then they kind of basically convinced him to like stay. Slapping um, yourself in general is a little crazy. I don't know. <laughs> but he was like really upset, that. and he said that they were like really good friends, and that like they had been really close, and that like then after that he kind of like you know kept himself. But then he and Tanner became good friends like in New York, and that part of what he and Tanner would do is try to guess. Like, who they would talk strategy a lot about, like, who was going home. Because they both, like, thought they were towards, like, the back of the pack. Yeah. And then they would, they accurately guessed, like, all these rose ceremonies. And so he said he would go into them, like, really not nervous. Oh, what happened after the, he slapped himself was that they told him that he could, he was going to go home to wait for the rose ceremony. And so he went in there thinking he wasn't going to get a rose, but then he did get a rose. And he already, like, said his goodbyes to everybody before the rose ceremony started. (gasps) And then Caitlin gave him a rose. And then he slapped himself? But that was after he slapped himself. So then he ended up staying. And then... Later in the season, when he finally did go home, he realized he was about to go home because they started asking him his confessionals about him being unfaithful to his wife, which he had, his ex-wife, which he had told, only told the psychologist, like the psychiatrist when he started, when they were interviewing him, and he hadn't told any of the producers, like, in months. And when they started asking about it and asking if he was going to tell Caitlin, he realized that they were about to, you know, he was about to get sent home. And so... Did uh, he ever tell Caitlin? He did. And he decided to because they were asking, and so he thought he had to kind of own the conversation about it. Oh, instead of someone telling Caitlin? Yeah. But remember, he had, he had like, a final, like, two-on-one, I think. And then he said it was, like, a fun time because he was very relaxed and he was just trying to, like, enjoy it. Because he knew he was going home. Yeah. Um, and then, basically, the reason he did, he did Paradise was because they started airing that Brokeback Bachelor thing, and he was, like, furious at them. And, uh... He said that Elon, the producer, yeah. he like slipped and called him Elon by name, but then it was like a producer, uh, convinced him to go to Paradise right after because he was like, if you go on, we'll give you a good edit, like we'll redeem you, like you can go on and like, you know, don't let it be like the last thing. And so it was like that same week he like agreed to do it. And, wow. like, ended up, you know, he flew like on the, on the Friday, he wasn't sure, and on the Saturday he was like flying to Mexico. And he said That's he just had crazy. like a fun time there. Yeah. Wait, did he say whether or not he's still dating Julia? That was something that he, they didn't talk about because, but they did make a reference to that there was something coming up that they couldn't talk about. Because they're on marriage boot camp? Yeah. And I think it must be some kind of NDA or something, but they couldn't mm, talk about it. Got it. Interesting. Yeah. I can't wait to listen to this episode. But it didn't sound like he, he wasn't talking about dating anybody currently, you know? And he was uh, talking about like other women he dated and stuff like Maybe that. they broke up over the course of bar- marriage boot camp and that's why they can't talk about it? I don't know. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It was interesting. He was also talking about how like he hadn't really liked Sean during the show and then... Um, he, they had some big Twitter fight or something when it was airing or whatever, but that he, they have since, like, buried the hatchet. Did he talk about Ashley I at all? This is my last question. No, he didn't say anything about Ashley I. Okay. Because I'm convinced that when <laughs> Ashley I <laughs> was interviewed in that article and said that, like, Jared was her Aiden and Wells was her, like, whatever dude, and she's a Mr. Big that no one knows about, it's gotta be JJ. Yeah. Okay. Should that be the end? Sure. This has been another episode of the most dramatic Bachelor podcast yet. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Most Dramatic Pod or send us an email, mostdramaticpod at gmail.com. Uh, our music is by Josh Garcia and our logo is by Lizzie Charlson. And uh, next week's the finale, isn't it? It is the finale. For everyone who's been a part of this one, see you next time.